The Pentecost story that we alluded to in the children's time and that Cheryl read just a moment ago, it's really one of the most unusual ones in the whole biblical narrative of wind and fire and spirit and tongues. Worship leaders often dread this assignment as they have to read all those obscure place names and assume that whatever pronunciation they use will most likely be wrong. And what I say to them is just read it confidently with whatever pronunciation comes out of your mouth. No one else will know if it's correct or not. And for me, Pentecost is somehow linked to the story in the Hebrew scriptures of the Tower of Babel. Languages confused by God versus languages understood by the Holy Spirit. Listen to this story from Genesis. The whole earth had one language and the same words, and as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there, and they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar, and then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered around the face of the earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose will do now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. The story of the Tower of Babel might be attempting to answer the question, why is there such diversity of language in the world? It has a similar feel to other stories like Adam and Eve in the second chapter of Genesis that might be answering the question, why is childbirth so difficult? Or why is agriculture so hard? Or even maybe, why are there such things as snakes? Noah and the Ark might be an attempt to answer questions about floods and the rainbow. Cain and Abel might be an attempt to answer why siblings so often fight. Job might be an attempt to explain why there is suffering in the world. Some scholars tell us that these were older folk tales that were woven into the biblical narrative when it was written down. But whatever their origin, these stories are trying to make sense out of things that are often quite difficult to understand. It is part of our human nature to try to do this. We want knowledge. We want things to make sense. We don't want to be surprised. And the Tower of Babel is also partly a story about human arrogance, trying to be like God, and then getting punished for that hubris. For me, it's interesting to read this story in the years after the September 11th fall of the World Trade Towers in New York. I wonder back then if one of the reasons that watching the towers as they fell down, or literally cave in, it was so difficult for us because it hurt our pride of achievement. And maybe it just wasn't the height of the towers, 
on the surface an easy parallel to see with the Tower of Babel and trying to be like God and touch the heavens. But I imagine that if we were to watch the Golden Gate Bridge collapse or the St. Louis Archfall or as recently the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris burn, it would be equally difficult. If the story about the Tower of Babel is one that accepts and deals with complexities, the nuances, the shadows, the diversity of the world, and most notably that of language, then the story of Pentecost is one that has the opposite goal. It's a story that overcomes the frustrating barriers of language and the differences that tend to separate us into special interests. It's a story of love over fear. It's a story of God's promises and power being used to make clear rather than to scatter. It isn't so much a story that tries to answer any rhetorical questions, but one that celebrates the miracles of life that cannot be explained away. And when those who do try to explain it away do so by saying, they are filled with new wine. It is publicly rejected by Peter. And that is yet another miracle. The same disciple who at his nadir publicly rejected Jesus three times has now found his voice. Often in the biblical narrative, God's actions are recorded as more of a private affair. They are solitary conversations or dreams with people often in secluded places like with Moses on Mount Sinai, or Joseph in his dreams, or Jesus on Mount Tabor. They happen when the person is either alone or with only a few other persons nearby. But the Pentecost story is different. It's everyone is there. There are no outsiders. Violent wind and energizing spirit, and especially those peculiar tongues of fire, are pretty visible. This is not some quiet conversation in an out-of-the-way place or a personal, lone, mystical experience. This is also not some easy continuation of the status quo, but a new situation that will demand new resources and offer new challenges. The power of the story of Pentecost was made real for me really for the first time back in 2006 when David and I were in Jerusalem for Pentecost Sunday. We were on a one-month trip through uh, the, the benefits of both of our churches of employment, and we were staying at the Tantur Ecumenical Institute outside of Bethlehem. And while there, on those Sundays that month, we were encouraged to visit local congregations on our own and via public transportation. Our first Sunday there was Pentecost, and five of us ventured to the Lutheran Church of the Redeemer in the Old City or the walled city that is known by its Armenian, Christian, Jewish, and Muslim quarters. We walked through the maze of narrow streets further and further into the old city, and by following my hazy memory, since it had been 25 years since I had been there, and listening to the current church bells, we located and worshiped in this particular setting that is in and over a former church building from the time of the Crusades. At the time, there were Arabic, Danish, English, and German-speaking congregations that shared this facility at different times. The English-speaking congregation with whom we worship was made up of folk from all over the world who were simply working or traveling there or assigned through one of the agencies of the United Nations 
or on missionary appointment as teachers or health workers or agricultural specialists, mainly with Palestinians in Jerusalem or in the West Bank. The worship service and its liturgy were very similar to what we experience here, and that is until that reading from the book of Acts. When that time came, about 20 folks stood up and all read that passage at the very same time and each in their language of origin. I have never experienced anything quite like that. The diversity and the differences of language were as apparent as they've ever been for me. And I can never read or hear the Pentecost story again, or the Tower of Babel for that matter, without thinking of this particular worship experience. And on another level, this diversity or this pluralism, if you will, is what I carry with me from that time. Jerusalem is a place in memory and even today of diverse, and diverse cultural and religious experience. There is an amazing amount of religious variety and vitality. I don't know how to be exposed to that city, let alone live there, and continue to think that my way of belief is the only way. And today we hear so much of this. And it is a way, I believe, of holding on to prestige or perks or power with religion being the convenient ruse for this cause. At the close of the Pentecost story that Cheryl read, Peter gives a sermon about the joy that they have experienced through knowing Jesus the Christ. It is his way and the way of those friends and followers. It then becomes the way of many who were present at that moment who heard that story and were impressed by the Pentecost wind and spirit and tongues of fire. But part of the diversity and the pluralism of that ancient story is that there are also other ways of truth and love and reverence as well. Too often we have lived in a world where one way tries to make its views the way for everyone. The ancient harvest festival of Pentecost, which was remembered as the giving of the law at Sinai to Moses, was celebrated 50 days after Passover. It is still celebrated in Judaism today. In the Christian story of Pentecost, it marks the giving of new life and the gift or the birthday of the church and is celebrated 50 days after Easter. But that doesn't mean our way, the Christian way, is the right way for everyone. It is but one way, one path of many paths to truth. God's Pentecost covenants with both Jews and Christians, for example, can remain valid and meaningful and complementary. A later covenant does not rescind the former. May we take our understanding from a God who does not scatter us in confusion, but makes clear to all of us our promise as God's children. May this promise of possibility always overcome our tendencies for human pride. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow.